Well, this morning, uh, we are going to continue with this series on parables. And this idea that Jesus brings up in the parables today is the idea of treasure hunting. Treasure hunting. And, you know, there's something exciting about finding a treasure, no matter if it's a big treasure or a small treasure. In fact, I remember it was a year or two ago where uh, Sarah's parents actually gave some of the grandkids metal detectors. And it was amazing to watch them go out in the yard and spend hours looking for treasure. And you know what the, the most amazing thing was that they actually found treasure. A whole bunch of like apparently 2019 quarters had been lost in that yard and they found just dozens of them. There was so much treasure to be found. Um, hidden treasure. You know, some of you are bargain hunters, so you understand what I mean. You may go to flea markets or garage sales or just stores in general. And when you find that bargain, it's like you find a treasure and you're just thrilled. You find huge satisfaction with that discovery. Um, I remember uh, I had my own brush with, with treasure hunting. And this was, uh, I think I was probably in junior high or high school. And this was just like any other day on the farm. Got up, took the tractor out in the field. I think I was cultivating corn or something. And uh, I was driving along there. I remember it was early in the morning. And all of a sudden, something caught my eye down in the dirt. And so I, I almost drove over it with the tractor wheel. So I stopped the tractor, jumped off and jumped down there. And sure enough, it was an Indian uh, knife sticking up out of the out of the ground. It was made out of stone, out of flint. And right next to it was an axe head. Uh, so I found these two Indian tools and I just could not believe this treasure. I thought, this is priceless. And it's, you know, ancient discovery. And of course, I had to stay out there in the tractor all day long, but I still remember that adrenaline rush of finding something that was old and what I thought was valuable, and I couldn't wait to tell other people about it. Uh, you know, actually, over the years, my brothers and, and my sister, we actually spent hours out there in that particular field and realized there were a lot of arrowheads and Indian tools. And I still remember every time you find an arrowhead, every time I would find one or, or anyone would, there was just this thrill of finding something that had been hidden and something that seemed valuable. Uh, actually, I brought uh, one with me this morning. This is actually, uh, you probably can't see it real close because of the distance from the camera, but this is a knife made out of flint. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's almost perfect condition. Just the tip is broken off. Uh, it's estimated that this knife is worth $350,000. And if you believe that, I'll sell it to you right now. It's actually probably worth about $12, okay? Um, but it's still an ancient tool uh, made by hand. And, and when we found this, actually Sarah found this, uh, I think the year after we got married, uh, when we were living in Kansas at the time, and uh, there was a big debate about uh, from my brothers about whether or not an in-law could claim property, claim treasure that she found on the family property. But you can tell which brother won that fight, okay? So here's the prize right there. So... Uh, this idea of finding treasure, there's just a thrill when you find something that was hidden or something that's valuable, even if it is only $12. Um, there's something about treasure that excites all of us. And I think movies have been made about it. Books have been written. And today in these two parables, Jesus tells us two stories, two very short stories uh, that make this emphasis on finding treasure. Uh, more specifically, finding the greatest treasure that is out there. And that's what we want to look at this morning. 
So our, our message this morning is called Priceless Treasure, and it's based on these verses in Matthew 13. And it's, it's interesting, these are just three verses, 44, 45, and 46 of Matthew chapter 13. Um, and, and in these verses, there's two characters, two men. One man goes out and finds something kind of by accident. He just stumbles upon it and then gains it. And the second guy is a merchant, and he's actually searching as hard as he can, and he ends up finding what he's searching for. Um, but either way, whether it's stumbled upon or whether the person's actively searching for it, the point is the same. And that is, uh, it's an invitation to grab that treasure, take it, and rejoice when you have it. And so what is that treasure? And so uh, really in these two parables, what we're going to see this morning is, is Jesus is giving us an invitation. It's an invitation to follow Him. An invitation to know Him. And He says that if you know Me, and if you follow Me, it's a treasure greater than anything you could possibly imagine, anything else you could gain anywhere in this universe. And that's the message of these two parables. So as we look at this uh, this morning, this idea of priceless treasure, there's actually two questions that I think when you read these two parables, you have to ask. And one is, uh, number one is, what is the treasure? Uh, what is the treasure that Jesus is talking about? And then we'll see the second question is, what will you do with that treasure? If you find the treasure, what should you do with it? Um, and so that first treasure, or that first question, what is the treasure? And the answer, I believe, is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. If you look at these verses, um, there's actually a whole series of parables in the book of Matthew uh, that when Jesus is talking, he says, he begins the parable like this. So we see it in verse 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like, a merchant in search of fine pearls. So he says, this whole story, both of these stories, are supposed to tell us something about the kingdom. And these stories are about treasure, and it just so happens that the treasure is the kingdom. Okay, so, so you might say, okay, uh, what is the kingdom? What is this kingdom of God that you're talking about? And, and really in the book of Matthew, the kingdom comes up throughout the book. Um, and so what's the big deal about Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God? And, and what's the big deal about God's kingdom? So I want to spend just a couple minutes trying to define that for us. What is Jesus talking about when he says the kingdom of heaven? Uh, I think, first of all, we have to realize kind of the big picture of what is God's kingdom is it's the place where God's rule and reign is over everything, where God is in charge, okay? So God's kingdom is the place where his rule and reign is over everything. And you notice Jesus calls it the kingdom of heaven. And so it's easy to say, well, um, okay, so God's kingdom is in heaven. We live on earth, so we're not really in God's kingdom. Well, guess what? When Jesus came to earth, he brought God's kingdom to earth with him. And he said, I am here to start the kingdom. The kingdom has arrived, um, and it is time for people to become citizens of this kingdom. So God's rule and reign, there's a couple things about this. Uh, one of the things you see in the book of Matthew is Jesus says the kingdom is already here. Now that the, the king has arrived, Jesus has arrived, the kingdom is already here. And yet, it's not completely here yet. Does that make sense? So what we have is Jesus has come. We see him beginning to heal sick people, reversing the curse of, of broken bodies and broken relationships and things like that. But you notice he doesn't heal every single person during this time. He brings the kingdom in and begins the work of the kingdom, but he doesn't make it complete. We also see uh, that Jesus comes and, and, and you know the story about how he was arrested, put on trial, crucified, dead and buried. 
And then He rises from the dead. He conquers death. And yet, people are still dying. So He's conquered death, but the victory is not completely established yet, right? Not until He returns and then there will be no more death and no more pain and no more suffering. So the kingdom is already here, but not yet complete. So that's another thing that's important to realize about God's rule and reign. We live in a broken earth, an imperfect earth, uh, where things are still broken, even though Jesus has already come. Another thing we want to realize about the kingdom of God is if for every kingdom, there has to be citizens, people who have given their allegiance to the king. And so who are the citizens of God's kingdom? Well, it's the people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, people who have a relationship with Christ. And so God says, I'm inviting you to be citizens of my kingdom. In fact, really these two stories where Jesus throws it out there and says, having this kingdom, being a part of this kingdom is more valuable than anything you could imagine. That's really him saying, I'm inviting you to join this kingdom, to become a part of this kingdom because it's so amazing. So you were invited to be a citizen. But the final thing I'll say about a kingdom is there is no kingdom without a king. And the king of of the kingdom of heaven is Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus came to earth to be our king. In fact, the gospel of Matthew is all about showing that Jesus is the king who is promised. The king who has come to set all things right. The king who the book of Isaiah predicted would establish justice for all the nations. Jesus is that king. And so no kingdom is complete without a king. And this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, has the king of kings and lord of lords. And his name is Jesus. But here's the beautiful thing about it. You can have a relationship with this king. He wants to know you personally. And he invites you to know him personally. You know, I think a lot of people might look at these parables, uh, might even look at Jesus. And, and certainly during the time of Jesus, they would have looked at him and said, what kind of king is that? I mean, he associates with poor people. He associates with sick people. Look, he was even crucified and dead and buried in a tomb. He died like a criminal. What kind of king is that? In fact, for that matter, what kind of kingdom is that with a king like that? But guess what? The story of the gospel the end of Matthew, what we see is that this king does not stay dead. He is resurrected from the grave and he is alive forever and he offers us life forever. The king wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about how to do that in just a second. So basically, though, Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to join the kingdom. I'm the king and I'm giving you an invitation If you read through a lot of the other parables, this invitation is repeated. um, And and you'll see that as you read through Jesus' teaching. So what is the treasure? Jesus says it's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. You are called and invited to be a, a citizen of this kingdom. So what is the treasure? It's the kingdom of God. And I think that gives us a simple truth. A simple truth. The kingdom of God is so valuable that it is worth sacrificing anything to get it. The kingdom of God is so valuable that it's worth sacrificing anything to get it. In fact, as our stories show us, as these two parables show us, it's actually worth sacrificing everything to get it. 
Um, but again, that key word there is valuable. I think that's the thing that Jesus is emphasizing with this story, that this treasure that these two men discover, these two characters discover, is so valuable that it's worth sacrificing anything. How do we know that? You know, it's interesting. Uh, um, these these two guys who find the treasure, it says in verse 45, this man in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It doesn't say he does it reluctantly. Okay, he's joyful about this because it's beyond question so valuable that it's worth everything he has. So that's our question this morning. I think that's, that's a big question you have to ask yourself is, do you see the kingdom as more valuable than anything else? Do you see God's kingdom and this relationship with Jesus as the most important thing that's out there? Period. Because that's the point of these two parables. Jesus says, a relationship with me, knowing the king, is the most important thing you can have. But you see, I think we have this problem as humans, uh, is that we see other things as more valuable. Other things. And, and sometimes we might say, I'm wholeheartedly pursuing this other thing. And that's it. That's what I'm focusing on. That's the only thing I want. That's a danger. But I actually think the bigger danger is for us to say, yeah, Jesus is pretty cool. He's precious. I want some of Jesus, but I also need these other things to fulfill me. And I think the warning from Jesus here is he says, there is nothing else in all creation that is as valuable as Jesus, as valuable as the kingdom. Other treasures might be money. We might be pursuing money, uh, pleasure. Whatever it takes to make me feel good, that's what I'm going to pursue with all my heart, with all my energy, with all my resources. It might be that your career is the thing that gets you there. And so you pursue your career with everything and you give all your energy to the career and, and Jesus gets the leftovers. But I think that these parables tell us that whatever it is, fill in the blank with whatever it is you're tempted to pursue, to give your life to, those things are counterfeits. And they will leave you feeling empty. You find those things, you might dig and dig and dig, and finally you get it. Guess what? It's temporary. But that's not the case with the kingdom. The kingdom that Jesus offers you, the relationship that He offers you, will last forever. It's different than these other treasures that we can pursue. You know, an illustration that helps us to see this is, is this idea of, of, of garage sales, right? If you, if you do like to go to garage sales and find deals, you get so happy when you find this amazing thing you've been looking for. Well, guess what? Five or 10 or 20 years ago, whoever bought that originally, it was a treasure to them. And then it became junk. In fact, they put it in a garage sale. It's temporary. Uh, and so what we see is the things of earth have limited value temporary value and cannot compare with this treasure that Jesus is offering us. He says this treasure is so valuable, it's worth sacrificing everything to get it. Well, how do we do that? How do we sacrifice everything in order to get this treasure? And I think that's kind of the, uh, the next question that we have to ask. Question number two, and that is this. What will you do with this treasure? If you see the value of it and, and you kind of understand that Jesus is asking you to pursue this treasure or to gain this treasure, what will you do with this treasure now that you kind of have heard what it is? Well, I think there's really three simple words that I want to challenge you with 
this morning. Three simple words of what we are called to do with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and we can see them in the verses. I'm going to put this up on the screen for you. Uh, in both parables, uh, these two men kind of share the same actions. Three verbs that they both do the same thing. And, and I think that relates to what God's calling us to do uh, as we pursue him uh, through these parables. So here, look at verses 44 and 45. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found. And then skip down to verse 45 uh, or 46. It says, this man on finding one pearl of great value. So the first man found a treasure. The second man is finding a pearl of great treasure, great value. So I think the first word I want us to realize when we look at that, what happened to these guys is the first word is to discover. Okay. God asks us to discover his kingdom, to discover this treasure. So how will you discover the value of Jesus and the value of a relationship with him? Well, I would just encourage you. I think the most important way you can learn uh, and discover the value of Jesus is to take him at his word. Take him, take his own words and realize that they're true. Uh, And what do I mean by that? I think when you look at this parable, Jesus says the greatest thing you can get is this kingdom of God, a relationship with me will discover what he says about himself in the Gospels. Read the Gospels. Search for him. And here's the promise from Scripture is that God says, if you search for me, you will find me. So how can you discover the value of Jesus? Discover what kind of treasure he really is? Listen to him. Read the Gospels especially. It might even be just start with the Gospel of Matthew. A lot of the parables that we're looking at over these eight weeks are from the Gospel of Matthew. And so look at Jesus' teaching through the parables. Look at his teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. Discover what it is that he's offering to you. It's eternal life. It's a relationship with him forever. So I think this idea of when you discover how valuable a relationship with Jesus is and what it is that he's offering you, you will see that instead of seeking these counterfeits, it's much better to seek Jesus. In fact, it's the only way to find true fulfillment. And whether you're discovering that for the first time, it may be that you're saying, you know, maybe this is making sense. Maybe it is that now is the time for me to trust that Jesus alone can satisfy me. Discover that for the first time and then trust him. Trust that he alone can satisfy you, that he alone can give forgiveness for your sins that he alone can provide a way for you to get to heaven. So discover that for the first time, or if you already know Jesus, I think these parables are an invitation for us to rediscover or to discover anew the value of what it is that we have in Jesus. The value of what we have in our Savior. See how valuable it is. Discover the amazing truths about who Jesus is and what he has done for you. That's the first step, is to find the treasure, to discover what it is that he's offering you. But let's look at the next couple words here from verses 44 and 45. This is what these two men do next. It says, in his joy, he goes and sells all. Skip down to verse 46. It says, and he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. So what's the key word here? I think what we see these guys doing is making a decision. So they are deciding, they've discovered something amazing, and now they are deciding to go and pursue it with everything they have. They're making a decision. They're making a choice to follow Jesus. 
And you kind of see this. This is an action that they take in the story. This little analogy that Jesus gives us is an action. They actually take action on what they've discovered. They don't say, oh, I realize what an amazing thing this treasure is. It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember this for the rest of my life, that there's a treasure out there buried in the field. And I'm always going to remember the day I found that pearl. No, they say, this is so amazing. I'm going to go out and do something about it. And they start this process. When it comes to following Jesus, the first step is to trust him. The first step is to trust him. Uh, the old song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. And so this whole idea of trusting him means that you take action on what you've discovered. Once you realize who Jesus is, that he is the son of God who knows your name, who loves you and who died for you. You take action on that and you trust him. You release everything to him and say, you are the only way that I can know God. So this idea of making a decision, I remember uh, maybe something that helps us understand this would be, I remember back in college when I was dating Sarah. Okay, I knew she was an amazing girl. I discovered this amazing person named Sarah Schultz. And I, I, I thought, you know, she might be the one. But at some point it came to the point where I said, you know, she is the one. And I have to decide to do something about this so that nobody else gets her, okay? And so I at some point decided to go out and buy a ring and ask her to marry me. I had to actually take action on the realization. I discovered how amazing she was. Now I took action and, and, uh, and, and bought that ring. And so this discovery, when you discover this relationship with Jesus, discover what Jesus wants to do and how he wants to transform you, he says, your first step is to trust me. You see, the journey with Jesus begins with faith. And if you've already begun that journey, trusted him, not yourself, not trusted anyone else, if you've begun that journey, then the journey continues with faithfulness. Faith leads to faithfulness. And so God says, uh, I want you to follow me. I want you to, to, to decide to pursue the kingdom, to pursue this relationship with Jesus. And so I have to ask you this morning, what is it that would be holding you back from that? What is it that could hold you back from pursuing this treasure? Identify those things and then pursue Christ instead. Well, then the last thing we want to look at is that it says he not only sold all those things, but he goes out then and buys that field. And then in the last parable, it says, and he bought it. Verse 46. So what happens here? Not only did he discover and make the decision to actually do something, we see him following through, these two men following through with what they've decided. And so the last word I would put up there is sacrifice. Discover the treasure, decide that you're going to follow this, pursue this treasure, and then sacrifice whatever it takes in order to follow and pursue Jesus. These men gave up everything so that they could gain the treasure. And Jesus says, the treasure that you'll receive in me is worth giving up everything that you held dear. You know, uh, do you see any regret from these two guys? The answer is no. Uh, when you look at these two parables, in fact, the only emotion we see from them is one, with great joy, he goes out and spends everything he has so he can get the treasure. That's more valuable than anything he has. There's no regret. But it's really interesting. If you look at the parables on either side of these two parables, they are filled with regret. Uh, in fact, uh, verse 42 it says he will throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sounds pretty regretful, doesn't it? That's the description of the people who've chosen not to follow Jesus. And then down in verse forty, uh, or verse 50, 
the parable of the net, it says he will throw them into the fiery furnace, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, full of regret for those people who do not pursue Jesus. And so what Jesus is telling us by the way he sandwiches these two parables in there is that when you pursue me, when you pursue the kingdom, there's not an ounce of regret. For all eternity, you will rejoice in whatever it costs you in order to follow me. You may have to give up certain things in order to follow me faithfully, he says, but it'll be worth whatever it costs you because of the treasure that you receive for all eternity. You know, to follow Jesus, you must trust him alone. There's no other treasure, no other person, no other action that you can do to save yourself. You have to lay it all aside, pursue him, follow the king, follow the king. You know, we look at these verses again. The first guy finds the treasure, he sells all that he has, and then he goes out and buys the field. Second guy finds the pearl, he sells all that he has, and then he buys the pearl. I think what we see here is these men are discovering, they're deciding, and then they're sacrificing everything to follow the king. That's the picture we see, is giving up everything to follow the king. You know, I said that this is an invitation to follow, to follow Jesus alone, the king, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. He alone can satisfy you. He is valuable beyond measure, priceless even. You know, uh, this morning, I, this is something that you probably all don't know about me, but on my way to church every Sunday morning, uh, just to kind of remind me what I'm trying to do before I get up to preach, uh, I have a song that I listen to every week. And it's when I pull out of my driveway, sometimes it's still dark, and I start playing this song. It's an old spiritual called Give Me Jesus. Uh, we're not singing it today, but I want to just read uh, some of the words for you. Um, and it's just this idea that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm experiencing, give me Jesus because he is a treasure greater than anything else I could ever have. So I'm going to actually read some of these words and invite the worship team to come up. They're going to lead us in another song uh, to close us out. So y'all come on up while I read these and then I'm going to close in prayer. But listen to these words. It says, in the morning when I rise... In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And the song goes on to say, when I am alone, give me Jesus. And when I am afraid, give me Jesus. And then lastly, when I come to die, when I come to die, when I come to die, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, just give me Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the treasure that you offer us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that it's free to us. God, that it can be found. God, I pray that you would help anyone who's watching, Lord, to have the courage to trust you, God. To trust you and not themselves. Uh, to take hold of this treasure for all eternity. God, those who do know you, I pray that you would help us to continue to trust you and to walk in faithfulness. And God, it's in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.